Hello, and welcome to the Mormon History Podcast. Bonus episode 12, The Bible. We believe the Bible to be the Word of God, as far as it is translated correctly. This is the first half of the 8th Article of Faith of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Today there are thousands of translations of the Bible. As, As of October 2017, the full Bible has been translated into 670 languages, the New Testament alone into 1,521 languages, and Bible portions or stories into 1,121 other languages. How did it get this way? In today's episode, we will take a look at the history of the Bible and its many translations. The Tanakh, or Hebrew Bible, was written in Biblical Hebrew, with some portions, like in Daniel and Ezra, in Biblical Aramaic. In the 6th century, spanning all the way to the 10th century, Jewish scholars known as Masoretes compared the text of all known Biblical manuscripts to create one standardized text. Several copies of this text were made, and are called the Masoretic Texts. One of the major changes that occurred in the Masoretic Texts is that the scholars added vowels to the Bible, which before had only consonants. This meant that the meaning of some of the words may have changed. The New Testament was a colon Greek text, meaning that it was a dialect of Greek that was spoken and written during the Hellenistic period, after Alexander the Great. Discoveries of older texts, such as the Codex Vaticanus and Codex Sinaiticus, both from the 4th century, have led scholars to revise their views about the original Greek text. The variants between the manuscripts were mostly minor, with a few major differences, such as the endings of the Gospel of Mark, the scene in which the woman digging in adultery is brought to Jesus, and the Western version of the Book of Acts of the Apostles. There was no punctuation in the letters of Paul and other New Testament writings, so it had to be added later, which was done according to the editor's own understanding and interpretation. The history of the Bible goes back a long time. If you want to listen to a more in-depth analysis of the history of the Bible, see Gary Stevens' History in the Bible podcast. It will do a much better job of telling the story of the Bible than I ever could. The Torah, or first five books of the Tanakh, The first five books of Moses, or Genesis or Deuteronomy, was translated into Aramaic during the first exile in Babylonia, when Aramaic was a lingua franca of the Jews. These translations are called the Targums, and they allowed people who spoke only Aramaic, not Hebrew, to understand the Torah, which included the common people. The Aramaic alphabet is ancestral to modern Hebrew, Syriac, and Arabic alphabets. Aramaic is the language of the Arameans, an ancient Semitic people who lived between the northern Levant and the the northern Euphrates Valley. The Arameans established a few kingdoms around 1000 BC in part of western Syria, but it wasn't until the Neo-Assyrians arrived that the Arameans rose in prominence, and their language was spread throughout Mesopotamia and the Levant. Aramaic was used by the Neo-Assyrian bureaucracy and was picked up by the Neo-Babylonians and the Achaemenid Persians. It was during the Persian occupation of Babylon and the Levant that the Jews began to use the Bible in Aramaic. Jesus Christ himself spoke a Galilean dialect of Aramaic during his public ministry. According to the Talmud, 
the main text of rabbinical Judaism, which contains religious law and theology. Much of the Tanakh, or Hebrew Bible, is compiled by men of the Great Assembly, which was completed in 450 BC, and it was supposedly it supposedly remained unchanged since. The Great Assembly was a synod in the early te Second Temple period, which comprised 120 scribes, sages, and prophets, including Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Daniel, Mordecai, and Zerubbabel. This assembly, also called the Great Synagogue, is responsible for fixing the Jewish biblical canon, as I have mentioned. They also introduced the Feast of Purim, which commemorated Esther's victory over Haman in the, and the preservation of the Jewish people in Persia. In the 3rd century BC, the center of Judaism, now thoroughly Hellenized, or infused with Greek traditions, language, and customs, was had switched to Alexandria in Egypt. Ptolemy II Philadelphus, who ruled Egypt from, 200, from 285 to 246 BC, allegedly hired 72 Jewish scholars to compile and translate the Bible into Koine Greek. The task wasn't complete until more than 100 years later, in 132 BC. In the time of Augustine of Hippo, this translation of the Hebrew Bible into Greek became known as the Septuagint, from the Latin Septuaginta, or 70. It was the first translation of the Bible into Greek. There is a legend that these 70 or 72 Jewish scholars worked on their own and came together and found that they had produced identical texts, which supposedly proved the accuracy of the translation. It was on the Septuagint that Jerome based his Latin Vulgate translation. Paul and other New Testament writers all even quoted from the Septuagint, as did the Apostolic Fathers and Greek Church Fathers. Sometime before 240, AD 240, Origen completed his translation of the Old Testament from Hebrew. He called it the Hexapla, because it was translated into six versions, hence the Hexa, four of which were Greek. It is a word-for-word -word comparison of the original Hebrew with the Greek Septuagint and others. Origen made an abbreviated version of the Hexapla called the Tetrapla, which had only, only the four Greek translations. The original text of the Hexapla was said to have 6,000 pages and 15 volumes. It was stored in the library of the bishops of Caesarea, but was destroyed during the conquest of Caesarea by the Arabs in 638. During the 10th century, since the 10th century, scholars have been searching for the full text and have been seeking to publish it. Some small and badly damaged fragments have been found in Alexandria and Milan. Before the Vulgate, there existed older Latin translations of the scriptures, called the Vetus Latina, or literally Old Latin. They were written in the late form of Latin, date dating from as early as 350. They were used alongside the Vulgate, until the Council of Trent, which, was, which ended in, five, in 1563, which established the Vulgate as the official authoritative text of scripture. The Vulgate was translated and compiled by Jerome, commissioned in 382 by Pope Damasus I. The Vulgate is a revision of the Vetus Latina. Jerome used the Hebrew Bible, an Aramaic version, the Septuagint, and the Old Latin version. The project was headed by Jerome, but he was not the only man working on the Vulgate, though the identity of his helper is unknown. The work was mostly done by the time Damasus died though Jerome did continue to revise parts of the New Testament after the Pope's death. A year later, in 385, Jerome was forced, to, was forced out of Rome, and he continued his work in Bethlehem, where he was able to use a manuscript of Origen's Hexapla. From 390 to 405, Jerome retranslated the Hebrew Bible. 
He then lived for 15 more years, writing extensive and detailed commentaries on the scriptures. The Vulgate is a first translation of the Old Testament into Latin directly from the Hebrew Tanakh, but it is difficult to determine exactly how direct the conversion of Hebrew to Latin was. According to Augustine, Jerome's contemporary, this conversion was pretty direct. Jerome also compiled the Apocrypha, books considered non-canonical because they were found in the Septuagint but not in the Hebrew Bible. From 400 to 1530, the Vulgate reigned supreme in Western Europe. It was the only kind of Bible you could ever encounter if you lived back then. You could even say that the Vulgate's influence in the Middle Ages and the Renaissance was greater than the influence of the King James Version in English. During the Renaissance, specifically the 1500s, a massive change began to take place. We know this change as the Protestant Reformation, in which the monolith of Christianity, represented by the Roman Catholic Church in the West, became fragmented. Other churches sprang up as reformers came up with their own forms of the gospel and scripture, each one thinking that they were doing the work of God and restoring the true gospel and the true church. One of these reformers who impacted not only the Reformation but also the world was John Wycliffe. Wycliffe lived long before the Protestant Reformation took off, following Luther's 95 Theses. He was born in the mid-1320s in Yorkshire, England. He attacked the privileged status of the clergy, who were very powerful in late medieval England. Wycliffe advocated the translation of the Bible into the vernacular. He took matters into his own hands and translated the Vulgate into Middle English, which is notably different from both Old English and the English we speak today. He personally translated the four Gospels and possibly the whole New Testament. His associates translated the Old Testament. The Bible became known as Wycliffe's Bible, and it was completed by 1384. But this was not the first time that the Bible was translated into English. In fact, some monks and scholars in the Middle Ages translated the scriptures into Old English. These were few and far between, however. But the Venerable Bede began the translation of the scripture into Old English towards the end of the 7th century. Aldhelm translated the complete book of Psalms and large, large portions of the other scriptures into Old English before he died in 709. The oldest existing translation of the Gospels in Old English is the Lindisfarne Gospels from the 10th century. Around 990, the Wessex Gospels were translated into a West Saxon dialect of Old English. In the 11th century, Abbot Elfric translated the first six books of the Old Testament into Old English. To learn more about the history of English, including different translations of the Bible, see the History of, the history of English podcast by Kevin Stroud. Wycliffe's Bible was severely suppressed by the Kingdom of England and the Catholic Church in England. This wasn't a new occurrence. Pope Innocent III in 1199 banned unauthorized versions of the Bible as a reaction to the Cathar and Waldensian heresies, which I will get into in the next bonus episode. The Synods of Toulouse and Targona in 1234 outlawed, outlawed unauthorized version, outlawed possession of such renderings. There is evidence of some vernacular translations being permitted while others were being scrutinized. Some of the most severe religious censorship and laws in Europe at the, at the time of Wycliffe were directed at Wycliffe's Bible. Despite this, it was, wild, it was widely distributed in the later Middle Ages. However, most Reformation biblical scholars, such as William Tyndale and Miles Coverdale, largely ignored Wycliffe's Bible, as it was based on the Vulgate, not the original Hebrew and Greek. It was a Dutch Erasmus who made the Greek New Testament available to Europe after the fall of Constantinople in 1453. He and Martin Luther inspired William Tyndale to begin his own translation. 
Meanwhile, anyone with unauthorized scriptures in their possession would be, would be subject to the death penalty. Tyndale produced the first English Bible drawn directly from Greek and Hebrew. His Bible was also the first to take advantage of the printing press. It was another of Tyndale's writings that justified Henry VIII's break with the Catholic Church in 1534. But not even the great Henry VIII could save Tyndale from the fiery wrath of his enemies. In 1535, Tyndale was arrested and jailed in modern-day Belgium for over a year, until he was convicted of heresy and executed by strangulation. His body was burnt at the stake. His last prayer was, reportedly, that the King of England's eyes would be opened. Just two years later, Henry VIII authorized the Great Bible for the Church of England. The Great Bible was highly influenced by Tyndale's Bible and would spread across the English-speaking world, which eventually included the British Empire, which spread across the world. Which spread across the world. The Bible wasn't only translated into English. Martin Luther translated the Old and New Testaments and the Apocrypha into German in 1534. Like the Tyndale Bible, the Luther Bible was spread rapidly across Europe thanks to the recent adoption of the printing press by the Europeans. A French Bible was printed in 1535. In 1537, John Rogers, under the pseudonym Thomas Matthew, published the Matthew Bible, which combined Tyndale's New Testament and as much of the Old Testament as Rogers could translate before he himself was captured and put to death. The Matthew Bible drew upon Luther's German Bible, Erasmus' Latin version, Tyndale's English version of the original Greek and Hebrew. Miles Coverdale finished Matthew's Bible after he was burned alive in 1555 under the direction of Queen Mary I of England, whose reign sought to return England to the Catholic fold. In 1560, the Geneva Bible was translated. This was the Bible used by Shakespeare, Oliver Cromwell, John Knox, and others. It was carried across the ocean to America on the Mayflower. It was still respected by Cromwell's soldiers in the English Civil War. This version of the Bible is significant because, for the very first time, a mechanically printed, mass-produced Bible was made available directly to the general public, which came with a variety of scriptural study guides and aids, collectively called an apparatus, which included verse citations that allowed the reader to cross-reference one verse with the numerous relevant verses in the rest of the Bible, Introductions to each book of the Bible that acted to summarize all the material that each book would cover. Maps, tables, woodcut illustrations, and indices. It effectively replaced Henry VIII's Great Bible as the authorized Bible of the Church of England, by sheer power of excellence. The story behind the name of this Bible is that the Protestant scholars who came up with it fled to Geneva, Switzerland, during the reign of Queen Mary of England. Geneva at the time was a republic overseen by the religious leaders like John Calvin. The translation process was overseen by William Whittingham and included the likes of Miles Coverdale. It was the first English version in which all the Old Testament was translated directly from Hebrew. In 1568, the Bishop's Bible was produced, succeeding the Great Bible and the Geneva Bible as the official Bible of the Church of England. This, the process of translating the, the Bishop's Bible was overseen by the Archbishop of Canterbury, the head of the Church of England at the time, Matthew Parker. It was written in response to the Calvinist style of the Geneva Bible and intended to replace it as a pulpit Bible, the one read aloud in church. It failed to fully replace the Geneva Bible, as the latter was more popularly read in homes. This is the 1602 edition of Bishop's Bible was used as the basis of the King James Version.
1611, the King James Version of the Bible replaced the Bishop's Bible as official scriptures of the Church of England. The King James Version, KJV, or King James Bible, KJB, or the Authorized Version, AV, included the Old Testament, the Apocrypha, and the New Testament. The translation is noted for its majesty of style, and has been described as one of the most important books in English culture, and a driving force for shape the shaping of the English-speaking world. By the first half of the 18th century, the King James Version was unchallenged as the English translation used in Anglican and English Protestant churches. It even eclipsed the Vulgate in use by English scholars. In the 19th century, it became the most widely printed book in history. Over time, the Apocrypha was omitted, and the printings presented the standard text of 1769, which was re-edited by Benjamin Blaney at Oxford. The authorized version has been called the most influential version of the most influential book in the world, in what is now its most influential language. Quote, the most important book in English religion and culture, and quote, the most celebrated book in the English-speaking world. David Crystal has estimated that the, it is responsible for 257 idioms in English, examples that include feet of clay and reap the whirlwind. Furthermore, prominent atheist figures such as the late Christopher Hitchens and Richard Dawkins have praised the King James Version as being, quote, a giant step in the maturing of the English literature and, quote, a great work of literature, end quote, respectively, with Dawkins then adding, quote, a native speaker of English who has never read a word of the King James Bible is virgin on the barbarian, end quote. Today, the New Revised Standard Version is the, most, is the version most commonly preferred by biblical scholars. In the United States, 55 of survey respondents who read the Bible reported using the King James Version in 2014, followed by 19% of the New International Version, with other versions be used by fewer than 10%. Members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints use the King James Version. There is nothing in church policy or official church teaching that forbids Latter-day Saints from reading other Bible translations in their personal study. According to fairmormon.org, these are some reasons that may exist for sticking with the King James Version. 1. Historical continuity with the, restor with the Restoration, since the KJV was used by the first generation of prophets and church members. 2. Church leaders feel the benefits of standardization and avoid, for example, unprofitable disputes about which member's Bible is a better translation. And three, theologically, the church disagrees with some modern trends and some biblical translations. For example, removing references to priesthood offices not embraced by some denominations, gender-neutral language when referring to God, etc. Critics of the church's position on the KJV write that, quote, it is doubtful that many are, that our many modern-day translations were produced by unprincipled people who wanted to keep God's truth hidden. In actuality, quite the opposite is true. The motivation behind a new translation is, in most cases, to give a clear understanding of what God wants to reveal to his people. Granted, some most cases granted some translations do a better job at achieving this goal than others. End quote. In part this is correct, but members of the church believe that the King James Version is as good as it gets. In fact, in 1992, the First Presidency released a statement on the use of the KJV. Quote, Since the days of the Prophet Joseph Smith, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints 
has used the King James Version of the Bible for English-speaking members. The Bible, as it has been translated over the centuries, has suffered the loss of many plain and precious parts. We believe the Bible to be the Word of God as far as it is translated correctly. We also believe the Book of Mormon to be the Word of God. Many versions of the Bible are available today. Unfortunately, no original manuscripts of any portion of the Bible are available for comparison to determine the most accurate version. However, the Lord has revealed clearly the doctrines of the Gospel in these latter days. The most reliable way to measure the accuracy of a Bible, biblical passage is not by comparing different texts, but by comparison with the Book of Mormon and modern-day revelations. While other Bible versions may be easier to read than the King James Version, in doctrinal matters, Latter-day Revelation supports the King James Version in preference to other English translations. All of the presidents of the Church, beginning with the Prophet Joseph Smith, have supported the King James Version by encouraging its continued use in the Church. In light of, its, in light of all of the above, it is the English-language Bible by, used by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. End quote. Besides what, it state, what was stated in the 1992 statement, and besides tradition, one reason the Church still uses the King James Version is that Joseph Smith received revelations that clarified certain passages of the 1828 ed edition of the King James Bible. These are known as Joseph Smith Translation, and can be found in the footnotes or in the appendix of modern, modern Latter-day Saint Bibles. Early church leaders like Joseph Smith grew up on the King James Bible and appreciated its literary beauty. It is no wonder why they decided to stick with it. Latter-day Saints still appreciate the language of the KJV, even though it is difficult at times to understand. In 1979, the first Latter-day Saint version of the Bible, still the KJV, was published. It included headings, footnotes, maps, photos, a topical guide, a Bible dictionary, and the Joseph Smith translation. The footnotes connected the, the Bible to the Book of Mormon, Doctrine of Covenants, and Pearl of the Great Price, unifying the four standard works into one cohesive message, the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Among those who worked on the Latter-day Saint version of the Bible were prominent names such as Thomas S. Monson, Boyd K. Packer, Marvin J. Ashton, Bruce R. McConkie, and Spencer W. Kimball, who oversaw the project as president of the Church at the time. I will include a link to the Ensign article about the 1979 edition of the Bible in the show, in the show notes. And the final update to the scriptures was made in 1981, but in 2013, the church unra unraveled a, a new edition of the scriptures. The 2013 version of the Latter-day Saint scriptures included revisions to study aids such as a topical guide and Bible dictionary, updated photos and maps, and adjustments to chapter and section headings. They also released updated online and mobile versions. There were some changes in spelling and minor typographical errors were corrected. They incorporated then recent historical findings into the sex section headings of the Doctrine and Covenants. The future of the Bible is bright and a revolution has occurred since the finding of the Dead Sea Scrolls in 1946. New discoveries have occurred since then and we continue to get closer and closer to the original text of the Old and New Testaments with each discovery. I look forward to the day, whenever, whenever it may be, that we get the full story of the Bible. Thanks for listening.